It's Tuesday the 28th of January. I'm Jackie Oatley and this is The Athletic Transfer Daily. We are well into our final week of Transfer Daily podcast. Just three more to go after today until the window closes in England at 11 o'clock on Friday evening. Now, first, we must make a disclaimer that we unfortunately cannot provide reassurance that your club will sign the players that you'd like, but we can try to provide a little bit of insight and some background into what is going on behind the scenes. main focus today is on a pair of clubs just one place apart in the football pyramid and they could well be swapping places with each other at the end of the season. Norwich at the foot of the Premier League and West Brom at the summit of the Championship. We'll hear from Michael Bailey and Steve Maidley in just a moment and we'll also get a roundup of news from elsewhere as we always do on this daily podcast. We'll hear from Roshane Thomas today on the very latest from West Ham amongst others. Now first we welcome the Norwich City correspondent Michael Bailey and West Brom's Steve Maidley. Hi both of you. Hi Jackie. Hi Jackie. I just have a personal point of view. Are you really delighted that it's nearly over? Well, from my point of view, if I'll go first, Steve, yes. <laughs> I'm pretty sure I used to enjoy the January transfer window, um, but it's uh, it's a bit of a slog and you see so many names and you end up chasing your tail so much of the time, I always find. I don't know how it's been for you, Steve. Yeah, I would, I would echo that. It's, a, it's always quite nice when it opens and then even nicer when it when it closes and it yeah, <laughs> just, just, just become a slog by the end. But it's been a bit of a, a tricky time, hasn't it? Let's, let's be honest about it for both of your sides. I mean, Michael Norwich... One Premier League win in 11 since November, six points from safety, having played an extra game. What would you say is the general mood around the Carrow Road faithful at the moment? Yeah, I suppose it's uh, most are resigned to the situation they're in, if not necessarily their fate just yet. That might, that might get resolved up at Newcastle on, on Saturday for, for some. But uh, I mean, obviously Norwich fans, I think, are dis- bitterly disappointed that they've found themselves so far adrift in the table. They're probably not that surprised that they haven't spent the money or chased the targets per se because I think Norwich's model and what they're trying to do is well established with their fan base so that hasn't stopped some supporters maybe wishing wishing Norwich had pushed the boat out a little bit further and, and by that I, I guess I mean spend money that they they haven't got and would have to make back at a later date so Norwich are, are desperately trying to create a club where they can be self-sustaining I would say trying to do that when you're yo-yoing between the championship and the Premier League is is virtually impossible and I think this has been a bit of an eye-opener for some of the people at the club but um, the transfer window itself this month has come at a, a, a probably the worst time because if it had been earlier they would have pushed quite hard for a centre-back after all their injuries but most of them are going to be back in the next week or two and elsewhere on the pitch they they do kind of um, create a lot of chances they just sometimes don't take enough of them and they need this striker in Josip Drimic that they recruited in the summer to come good rather than trying to find a, another one to bring in. Yeah, I mentioned it was just one Premier League win in 11 since November. In that time, they've only scored 11 goals, including two penalties and an own goal. So uh, some of the fans who, in my experience, are pretty intelligent, down-to-earth kind of bunch, are they really cursing the transfer policy? You say they know that there is only limited budget and they don't want to blow it. Where does frustration stem from? Well, some will feel that there is that there probably could have been another five or six million pounds to have spent here or there, and that that 
for Norwich would have been a huge amount. I mean, they um, in terms of permanent signings, it was 750 grand for Sam Byram and that was it. And I can't imagine there have been many teams promoted from the championship who have, who have done that. So I, I think some some fans will, will always feel that there was just a little bit further they could have pushed. And in fairness, Norwich made a, a relatively conscious decision in the summer to, to stick entirely with the squad that got them up and give them new contracts. And there were one or two players where they maybe went one way with a with a, a loan and, and Drummich who was a free transfer but obviously a quite high signing on fee maybe compared to um younger players who who might have been um a, a fee to to outlay initially so some of those decisions I mean Josip Drummich had said he's, he's probably one of their highest paid players and he's barely featured at all over the first half of the season so the couple of bits that they did do in the summer haven't really come off and they haven't really got the room to correct those this window what I would say is in Andre Duda they've tried to um they've tried to give uh, to to have a player who can play as a 10 who can then uh, take chances and hopefully make Norwich a little bit more prolific in, in front of goal because creating them hasn't been an issue um and Duda looks has looked promising and, and an upgrade in what they've uh, had so far this season in number 10 he's on loan from Hertha Berlin for the rest of the season so I think um, in that one at least there was a sign that that could have a, a beneficial effect over the rest of the season. Yeah I enjoyed your piece on Andre Duda especially the picture with the phrases work hard on one thigh and play hard tattooed on the other it sounds a bit of a character uh yes i i i'm sure those uh look a bit cooler in slovakia or germany maybe but um <laughs> I, I i like him i think they certainly got a, a an edge to him and he um he's got a real real quality i think th- he had a difficult time of it at Hertha so far this this season which is the only reason why the move has probably come about um but i think he he really showed up well the, the season before and he's got really good pedigree and Norwich have got a track record of picking up players like that so I think um what's probably most encouraging is that he's played two games also came up came on in the FA Cup game and he's he's looked like he's already settled in and and is linking well with his teammates and I think when you sign anyone from loan uh, on loan over such a short period the last thing you want is it to take um several weeks for them to settle in. Indeed. Well, Steve, you're on your way to Cardiff today, aren't you, with West Brom? They're in a funny situation because they're top of the championship, which, of course, is great. They're four points clear of Fulham in third with a game in hand, but they haven't won in the league in six games. Is the glass of Albion fans half full or half empty? Um, it seems to be half empty at, at, at the moment. Um, I guess re- recent forms just, just tend to dictate moods, but clearly they're, they're still in a strong position. It's, it's been a difficult transfer window, really, to... For them to gauge, in that they know they've got they've got a good side because of where they are on the table. Um, they know that they'd like to add a couple of names just to refresh things, but, it, but equally they can't go and spend massive money um, because if they weren't to get up, then that would obviously leave the club in a less healthy position. What did that win at West Ham do for morale? Bearing in mind they'd made eight changes and they had ten men for the last eighteen twenty minutes or so, didn't they? A lot, a lot. Even though they made a lot of changes, I think probably four or five of those players would be in contention to start to start at Cardiff tonight. So clearly, a win and probably even more important, a good performance against a Premier League club in a big stadium in front of a lot of travelling West Brom fans would have done a lot of good for confidence. Probably more so than the Charlton win in the previous round when when that was very much a second string lineup. What about Slavin Bilic? I mean, he's such a character. I was very fortunate to spend 
a lot of the summer with him at the World Cup in Russia a couple of years ago. And what you see is what you get. He is, he's a real gentleman, really nice bloke, fiercely intelligent. Um, and of course, he's a very good football manager as well. How's his relationship with the supporters? Very good. I mean, West Ham fans were, had been crying out for a while for, um, I think, a, a guy with that kind of aura um, and, and the character to bring after, after a series of managers, uh, Darren Moore aside, I guess, who perhaps did a decent job, certainly in Tony Pulis' case, but didn't, didn't particularly connect with the supporters. So, yeah, I mean, obviously they're going through a bit of a tricky patch at the moment, but he's hugely popular with the West Brom fans. And that you sense a real trust among the West Brom fans that he will find a way to get them back on track. This athletic podcast is brought to you in association with Stitch Fix, an online personal styling service that takes the hard work out of dressing well. To get started, go to stitchfix.co.uk forward slash athletic. Fill in a style quiz and tell us about your personal style, your budget, size and shape and your clothing needs and wants. A personal stylist will then send you five items of clothing, each handpicked especially for you from our selection of 100 brands, including established names and up and coming designers. Try and everything at home and style with other items in your wardrobe. You can then pay for what you love and send back the rest. For your stylist's time, you pay a charge of just £10, which is deducted from the cost of anything you decide to buy. Remember, you try before you buy at home. Delivery and returns are free both ways, and you don't need a subscription to sign up. Stitch Fix allows you to save time because they do the shopping for you. Get started with Stitch Fix today and support our podcast by going to stitchfix.co.uk forward slash athletic right now. That's S-T-I-T-C-H-F-I-X co.uk forward slash athletic. What about Daniel Farker, Michael? Because he comes across very well on television, but it's very different to be an actual supporter compared to the view of a manager from the rest of the country. What's their feeling about Farker? Yeah, I mean, he's um, he's a very good man manager and I think he's had a quite a difficult situation to manage this season because you know, last year it's, it's easy when the team you're picking is winning every week. No one who's um, left out can really complain. And then when they do come in, they, they do seem to uh, take their chance. And I think it's obviously been much more conflicted in terms of players who may be expected to feature more and haven't. And so, and, and Daniel is a very good man manager. He's, he's very articulate and he, he still has huge support from um, from the fans, remember, you know, they lost 4-0 at Old Trafford and the, the, they were pretty awful, to be honest. And he got a huge reception from most of the supporters. And uh, I think that's uh, that's obviously a real strength that Norwich have in whatever happens over the course of the rest of this season and heading into the next one at whichever level Norwich will be at. I think beyond that, it does get trickier because then the expectations are different and obviously in that case I'm assuming Norwich will be in the championship but he, he I think the way he's molded the side as well the, the, they've dealt quite well with some of the shortcomings and, and you almost look at it and wonder if it's a quality issue rather than what the head coach is um, instructing them to do there are the odd frustrations but I think you'll get that with a, any manager in the world at any club and if they were to go down to the championship is the feeling very much that he would still be in charge Certainly at the start of the season, yes. I mean, it, I suppose there's a potential for other clubs to look at Daniel and, and like what he's doing and, and see the actual limitations of the job he's had in terms of money being um, a bigger issue than, than Daniel's abilities himself. So that's always one um, issue. But uh, yeah, I, I think it would take something quite drastic for Daniel Farker not to be in charge uh, next season, whichever level Norwich are playing. 
And Steve, thoughts on the Cardiff game tonight? Albion have got a, a couple of their key players missing at the moment, haven't they? They have. Um, Matis Pereira, um, out suspended, and, um, and Grady Dean Garner. Um, plus Nathan Ferguson, we think, was, will still be missing, and Kieran Gibbs as well. So, yeah, a few, a few players missing. But it's, it's, a big, it's a big game, isn't it? They, they just need that. There's a sense now that they just need to win a game some, somewhere in the, in the league, and there's not a massive amount wrong, I don't think. They are where they are in the league for a reason. But obviously, the longer this winless run goes on, the, the more edgy things are going to get, and that just transmits itself eventually to the players. It's very competitive in terms of promotion. I mentioned that four-point gap at the moment to third. If it weren't to work out this season, if they didn't go up, what would that mean for them financially? I think they'd be okay financially. I think um, they're a, a well-managed club. They haven't, haven't got any, any real debts. Um, the, the players' contractors are, are by and large, um, constructed in, in, such, in such a way that takes account of the, the falling income. But the longer you go... As a relegated Premier League club, the more seasons you spend in the Championship, the harder it gets because your budget goes down. So I think financially that they would have to make some some more cuts next next summer. But I think that they're cuts that, that they they could make fairly comfortably. I've just realised that whenever I talk about black country clubs, Wolves or West Brom, my accent comes out a little bit. <laughs> Did the Wolves podcast yesterday? I was talking like this. Um, and in terms of Norwich, similar situation. If they were to go down, are they on very sound financial footing because they haven't pushed the boat out, Michael? Uh, yes, I think they would get a lot of criticism if they ended up getting relegated and 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 then suddenly had to <laughs> shell a load of jobs and what have you. So they've made a real point of the club being in a position where. Actually Actually, whether they're in the Championship or Premier League, the, it, everything's in a sound footing. Like, like Steve said, the contracts um, and their outlay is, is tied in um, directly to any money they've earned through parachute payments, what have you. So um, that continuity is exactly where they're pinning all their strength. And because they've had to deal with quite a few pressures in terms of people obviously wanting to buy players and, and, and this sort of stuff. So it'll be really interesting. I mean, keeping the players and the, the highly rated assets they've got might be a bigger uh, issue for them in the summer. They have got some fabulous young players and we keep hearing a number of them being linked with moves away. Who do you think they're most likely to sell were they to go down? Oh, I mean, I, I've, I, it's such a difficult question because there are probably four, five, six young players, great age. They're going to have a full season of Premier League experience under their belts. They're all going to be better players for it. Um, it's going to be fascinating who wants to buy them, how much they're going to offer, how much Norwich would be willing to sell for. I mean, someone like Emi Buendia has been in phenomenal form for for a number of weeks now. Uh, yeah, he still hasn't got a Premier League goal. So I think Norwich are giving them their chance to shine. And um, I think most Norwich fans would love Norwich to stay up because it might mean that they could uh, actually benefit from that experience. But uh, uh, it's, it's difficult to say who would be there um, after a summer and it'll depend on other clubs as much as Norwich. And of course, if people want to hear a lot more about these subjects and others, they can hear you on your podcast. This is your chance to give it a plug. Yeah, well, thanks, Jackie. Yeah, uh, it's the On The Ball podcast, which is uh, the Athletics Norwich City podcast every week uh, with loads of guests and um, more fun stuff. Lots <laughs> <laughs> more fun stuff. Well, thank you for that. And thank you also to Steve. Enjoy your trip to Cardiff. Will do. That was Michael and Steve reporting on Norwich and West Brom. And of course, you can read all their articles on The Athletic. Now, let's hear from our reporters elsewhere, starting with Roshane Thomas and West Ham United. Currently at Rush Green Training Ground and in David Moyes' press conference earlier today, he revealed that Thomas Kusek, the defensive midfielder from Slavia Prague, is currently undergoing a medical, so that should be over the line 
in the next few days. He also revealed there's been a bid for another player, although he refused to confirm whether or not it's a striker, midfielder or defender. But this is good news on the transfer front for West Ham. Fernandinho's new one-year contract is really good news for Manchester City and just basically makes a lot of sense. On the one hand, you've got the fact that Vincent Kompany left last summer. David Silva is going to leave this summer. And if Fernandinho had have gone as well, they would be losing a lot of experience, a lot of seniority there. He is one of the leaders in the team and a big presence in the dressing room. On the other hand, you've got the fact that he's still a very good footballer and he contributes a hell of a lot to this City team. He's 34 now, he'll be 35 at the end of the season. But if it wasn't for him playing centre-back, God knows what would have happened to City's title challenge. They would have possibly been even further down the table. Whether he plays at centre-back or midfield next season is yet to be seen. But wherever he plays, he's sure to make a great contribution. And it's really good news that he's going to stay. Southampton Football Club are very good at keeping their cards close to their chest. They very much take the approach of nothing is true until it's on the club website. But they have been heavily linked to Tottenham Hotspur's right back, Kyle Walker-Peters. It is believed that currently Kyle Walker-Peters has a number of suitors, including Southampton Football Club, also including Crystal Palace, and that the young right back is waiting for loan offers to be confirmed from all of those clubs before he makes his final decision. My understanding right now is that Southampton seem to be in the pole position to secure Kyle Walker-Peters services. As of yet, there is no news as to whether said loan deal would be extended into a permanent deal come the end of the transfer window. By the way, you may have heard Charlie Eccleshare on yesterday's Transfer Daily saying Christian Eriksen's move from Spurs to Inter Milan was imminent. Well, now it has been confirmed by Tottenham and you can hear more from Charlie on the Spurs podcast, A View from the Lane. Here is a little taster of James Moore and Jack Pitbrook talking about Eriksen's legacy. You can't escape the fact he's been uh, one of the best players in the club's modern history. You can't kind of, you can't rewrite history that that spectacularly I don't think you know that, that you know the stats are kind of on their own are obvious enough and all those moments that he's been involved in that have been like the biggest things that have happened to the club in decades uh, yeah pretty clear Ericsson has been one of the most important people in I think turning Spurs from being a kind of outside contender into being a kind of permanent presence at the very top of the Premier League kind of third second third place finishes 86 points uh, Champions League final, all all of that stuff would have been impossible without Ericsson. You know, there's other people without him it would have been impossible too. But I think Ericsson was one of the most important players to that. And also in terms of giving the team that kind of intelligent coherence on the pitch, which is the mark of a proper team. That's the guys on View from the Lane podcast talking about the impact of Christian Ericsson at White Hart Lane. He certainly won't be forgotten. It's time for them to move on. Now Spurs have also announced they've exercised their right to convert uh, Lo Celso's loan deal from Real Betis to a permanent transfer. He signed a contract until 2025. Now you can hear all our podcasts for free on various platforms and you can hear them ad-free on The Athletic app to subscribe if you don't already and read all the excellent articles on The Athletic. Use the discount code UKPOD for 40% off. That's it from me, Adam Leventhal will be back tomorrow with your next edition of the Athletic Transfer Daily. Bye for now. Mm-hmm.